This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. He's, he's, he's looking good. We've, we've organized a couple, you know, events where we'll work together, receivers and some backs, and, and he was throwing to us, and he's looking good. He, he's being that leader that he is. And the arm's looking good. He's throwing it well. So for him, I'm just excited for him to get back in. He's looking great. I know he's still fueled up. I know he wants more more wins and more rings before he leaves. So that's that's what everybody's goal is. So you know, with, with, we got Miko on the defensive side. We just added you know phenomenal piece and TJ and Bud returning. So we're just going we're going to put everything together and then offense get that run game going and just try to like I said try to do something special. <sighs> John Connor, Pittsburgh Steelers. James Conner, John Conner's uh, the guy from um, Terminator 2 and Terminator 1, maybe, but definitely Terminator 2. He was also a player for the New York Jets who was featured on Hard Knocks that Rex Ryan raved about, a special teams ace, if you will, called him the Terminator, go figure. James Conner talking about Ben Roethlisberger, how great he looks, how good the Steelers are going to do. Not going to lie, Coos, I'm a big James Conner guy. He's always kind of been the underdog a little bit. I felt like he was kind of thrust into the role um, a little too soon, obviously, with Le'Veon Bell sitting out. And guess what? I mean, he comes in his first year and absolutely dominates. Like, Le'Veon Bell who? So it's awesome that he, I mean, you know, he can kind of back it up and everything. That's great. But my point is, I need Big Ben to have a bad year this year. You know, and... If history is an indicator, well, he got hurt last year, so one would say he's probably going to do good this year, and that's usually how history works. But I need Big Ben to have a bad year because me and Brent Marneau, um, who are just a couple one-two de- degenerates, if you will, on this show uh, in terms of betting, have made a bet. Brent Marneau thinks that Ben Roethlisberger will have better numbers this year than Baker Mayfield. Now, probably a pretty fair bet in his eyes, Right. But what I'm banking on is the offensive power of the Cleveland Browns. I'm banking on Austin Hooper. I'm banking on, obviously, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt catching balls out of the backfield. And if it really kills you, have Chubb, you know, catch 20 balls per game out of the backfield as well. The guy can handle it. He's a great running back. So I'm literally taking... The Browns' offense versus the Steelers' offense more than am. Well, who's the better quarterback? I just think that Cleveland's offense right now is too big and too talented to fail. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, there's some question marks with, is Juju Smith-Schuster that true one receiver? I get last year, Big Ben goes down, Smith-Schuster had some injuries, but is he the true one receiver, or did he rely a lot on Antonio Brown being there, and he was a really good coveted two-number receiver? We'll see that. Who else do really the Steelers have right now at the wide receiver position? A lot of young guys got to step up. So I still like my chances. Correction, I love my chances with this bet. I love all my bets right now with Brent Martineau. I think the Patriots are going to have a better year than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Call me crazy. And listen, I want the Jaguars to do well, but I'm also a realist, all right? And I don't think Bill Belichick's the type of guy that's going to be tanking for Trevor. I think Bill Belichick's got too much pride. Their defense is firing on all cylinders still. I don't see the Patriots having a worse record than the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's a few bets out there that we'll get to, you know, later on down the line once the season starts. But I'm just sitting where I'm sitting right now. James Conner, you can go ahead and say Big Ben is going to have a great season, but not as good as Baker Mayfield. 
and you can take that to the bank, everybody. So, obviously, hey, I'm Austin Lane, by the way. Uh, my co-host, Brent Martineau, on vacation, so I'll be kind of driving the show here for the next couple of days. Obviously, we have the weekend off, but I'll be here Monday and Tuesday as well, and then we'll take a little break for that 4th of July vacation. And if some breaking news does happen, I, I am on call. I am in the bullpen. Technically, and it, I'm taking over for three days, too. You are. Yeah, so it's kind of just, yeah, it's me and you. It's, it's a joint effort. And then technically, when Wednesday hits, it's just you. Oh, yeah. Playing the greatest hits. Like like third-string quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers coming in, yeah. and let's see if we can keep this thing going straight. Uh, exactly, exactly. Now, if there is a, like a, a late-breaking news story during the, you know, the, the, the slotted time, I am on call. I am in the bullpen. Coos, put out the bat signal. I'll come in here, and I'll break down whatever needs to be broken down. Now, if that's the case, I mean, knock on what, I hope it doesn't happen because nine times out of ten, that means it's going to be bad news. It means like a Jaguars player got in trouble or something like that. Like even if Jamal Adams for some reason got traded all of a sudden to, the, to Jacksonville Jaguars, we may not come in and talk about that. But I'm just saying, if you guys hear me next week after Tuesday... It's a bad sign. It's going to be a bad sign. So maybe you don't want to hear me. So let's just, everyone, let's hope for a nice, long vacation, and I'll see you guys in a little bit. But we still got plenty of time left. We still got Monday and Tuesday. We still have the last hour here, so I'm not going anywhere. I got your guys back. But one of the really cool things, like obviously when I have the keys to the show, is I can really take in any direction that I want to. You know, and to be fair, Brent's really cool about me. You know, I can kind of bring whatever I want to the table, but... With that being said, I love educating people about new things. You know, I mean, we, we had the famous uh, the TED Talk B breakdown that I did with, with the African, uh, it wasn't African, with, with, with the Japanese killer hornet thing, which, by the way, not sure what happened to those guys. Have you, have you heard anything? <laughs> I haven't heard anything. What, was I that even real? Them, to be honest. Yeah, was that even real? I think they're just gone now. I mean, are we good? Did we clear that up? I, no idea. I mean, as far as my grandpa's concerned, he's got no complaints with his beehive, so I don't know. Okay. I don't well, know. Maybe did, there was like. Did COVID 19 hit them too? I, I don't know, Coos. <laughs> okay, I don't know because. It just went away. We're, we're living in crazy times right now. Like, people. What, the government reported seeing aliens a couple of weeks ago, or like a UFO, and we haven't even talked about That's that like on the show. That's like the least crazy news we've heard this year. We, we, we got other things going on. We don't, we don't got time for well, UFOs. They're talking about right that now. being from Jacksonville. They I were know. saying, like, I it saw was it. a Florida. I, mean, I saw it. Of course they're in Florida, by the way. Why not? Uh, Probably in Polk County. But anyway, so with that being said, I'd like to educate people on some kind of off-the-wall topics a little bit or things that you don't really hear about in the news all the time. And I figured since, you know, today is Freedom Day and, and, um, you know, black the the Black Lives Matter movement, it's bigger than ever right now. And regardless of how you feel about it, obviously it's a battle of right versus wrong. And the story that I'm about to share with you, in my eyes, is the ultimate battle of doing the right thing. So what I want to do is I want to go back to the 1968 Summer Olympics that took place, I believe, in Mexico City. Now, if, if, you, if you've heard that date and you've heard that, those Olympics, you probably know what I'm talking about already. We're talking about a very powerful picture that came after the 200-meter sprint of the Olympic finals, okay? We're, we're talking about two gentlemen, all right? We're talking about two gentlemen by the names I got to bring them up here of John Carlos and Tommy Smith. Now, John Carlos and Tommy Smith were two black athletes representing their country. Obviously, back in 1968, times were tough. Okay, I don't, we don't have to read a history book to know that. Okay, um, the 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 battle of civil rights 
and the Black Panther Party and segregation and all that stuff was alive and well in the United States of America. And on the most grandest of stages in Mexico City, John Carlos and Tommy Smith took it upon themselves to stand on a podium and hold one fist in the air wearing a glove and showing, you know, the, the, obviously the black power sign, you know, and to try to, to try to fight, to unify his brothers and sisters in the fight for equal rights and for the fight of right versus wrong. I'm sure everyone probably knows that story. If you don't, I mean, obviously do your research. It's, it's, it's one of the most powerful pictures you're ever going to see, you know, and it's a picture that I'm sure you still see to this day and you should, because it's just, it's that moving and it's that big of a deal. But the thing that a lot of people don't realize and don't understand about this story is there's a B side to this. Okay. And the B side is a man by the name of Peter Norman. Now, keep in mind, John Carlos and Tommy Smith, they, they earned first place and third place, respectively. Well, there was a guy who earned second place, and that guy's name was Peter Norman, a white gentleman who was from Australia, who, who, who could also be seen, seen in the famous picture, obviously, standing on the podium as John Carlos and Tommy Smith hold up their fists proudly. Peter Norman is the guy that's on second place, that has his hands, you know, to his side, with his head down, listening to the anthem. What people don't understand is the story of Peter Norman and what he did for that moment. So I'm going through Twitter a couple nights ago, and I come across this thread. And this is the beauty of social media. Everybody has a voice. It doesn't matter where you're from, how much money you make, how many followers you have, everybody has a voice. And this person's voice, who goes by the name... Syrian, the quarantine sorcerer, also at not again one two seven at Twitter. I think people need to realize that, like, if they're gonna if they're gonna have that handle or a handle, yeah. there's a potential that somebody's gonna talk about it on the radio. Well, listen, I mean, I have to bring up the guy's name. Is, I, I mean, I, I want to give the guy props. Yeah. So once again, Syrian, the quarantine sorcerer. But this is my point. This is an everyday guy. I don't know who this guy is. He doesn't have a lot of followers. He's got 2,000 followers right now, and I'm sure a majority of those followers came from what I'm about to share with you. Well, Syrian the Quarantine Sorcerer on Twitter shares a story, um, and it's a story of the second-place finisher of those Olympics who stood on that podium by the name of Peter Norman. And this is a thread, and I'm just going to read the thread for you guys here, and you guys can make your own judgments you can take away what you want to take away from it, but it's an amazing story about a guy who I feel like didn't get his just due on that podium who got second place. So here's the story. And once again, obviously I fact checked it all and this all checks out. This is a real story. So uh, I'm going to read it verbatim from Syrian, the quarantine sorcerer here. And I quote today. I learned the white man in this photo was Peter Norman from Australia who finished second in the 1968, 200 meter Final. Norman stood in solidarity with American black athletes. It was Norman who suggested when they when discovered that they only had one pair of gloves that each athlete wears one of the gloves. Norman asked them if they had any, if they had any other Olympic project for human rights badges that he could wear so he could show himself in solidarity. They didn't. But another Olympian. Um, white American roarer Paul Hoffman did, and he loaned it to Norman. 
the patch that Norman wore read Olympic Project for Human Rights, and it can be seen on the podium in the picture. Tommy Smith and John Carlos would be suspended from Olympic t- the Olympic team, stripped of their medals, and expelled from the Olympic Village. The rower Hoffman, who gave the second place guy the the badge to wear on his jer- or on his jacket, was also kicked off the team of, of his rowing team because he was accused of conspiring with them. Norman would be ostracized from the Australian team which he would never compete for the Australian um, team in the Olympics ever again. He was not able to compete in the 1972 Olympics and was repeatedly given the opportunity to redeem himself by condemning Smith and Carlos for putting their fists up in the air. He refused to do it. He remained ostracized even during the 2000 Sydney Games, and all record of his name and his act was lost in the history books. Even though he still holds the Australian record set in 1968 for the 200 meter dash. Peter Norman died suddenly in 2006 of a heart attack. And among those Paul Bears who were in Australia for their friend was Tommy Smith and John Carlos. According to reports, John Carlos and Tommy Smith remained friends with Norman up until his very end. In 2012, the Australian government officially apologized to Norman, admitting that what they had done in keeping him off the 72 Olympic team was wrong and recognizing his achievements. Um, and I'll quick re- read to you like, the quote um, that the Olympic Committee of Australia kind of said um, in their apology. We recognize the extraordinary athletic achievements of the late Peter Norman, who won the silver medal back in the 2,000-meter sprint running event at the 1968 Mexico City Olympics in a time of 20.06 seconds, which still stands as Australian record to this day. We acknowledge the bravery of Peter Norman in dining an Olympic Project for Human Rights badge on the podium in solidarity with the African-American athletes like Tommy Smith and John Carlos, who gave the Black Power salute. We apologize to Peter Norman for the treatment he received upon his return to Australia and the failure to fully recognize his inspirational role before his untimely death in 2006 and belatedly recognize his powerful role that Peter Norman played in furthering racial equality. That was a statement from the Australian Olympic Committee. At San Jose State University, a statue of Smith and Carlos was erected. Carlos said Norman wanted the second-place podium to be empty so that people come could stand up there for themselves and feel in solidarity with Smith and Carlos as he had in 1968. Smith and Carlos begged Norman to let him go on that second place monument because Norman was an important part of that moment. And Norman once again said, no, I want anybody to walk on that second place podium and to be in solidarity with what you guys did. Please leave me off of it. So with that being said, man, um, very cool and very powerful stuff. And I feel a little guilty that I didn't know who Peter Norman was at the time until a couple days ago. But it goes to show you, I guess, that no matter if you're on Twitter and you got 2,000 followers and your name is Syrian, the quarantine sorcerer, no matter if you're Peter Norman, 
who, you know, people look at that picture and don't even know what that guy did until, you know, moments like this. Um, it's just strong that, listen, anybody can make a difference, man. Anybody. And at the end of the day, you know, to me, it's not a black and white thing. We, we always talk about it here, and me and Brent stand united on this. It's a right or wrong thing. And the fact that Peter Norman, that that guy that looks so plain Jane on that picture, standing on that second place podium, did all that, was cast out, was ostracized for having John Carlos and Tommy Smith back, that he gave up a career, he gave up endorsements, he gave up money, he gave up a means to take care of his family because what he did, he thought he was doing for the greater good, and what he did, he thought he was doing it because he was on the side of being right. And guess what? He was. And eventually, he got his just due by the Olympic Committee of Australia. Now, yeah, obviously it came too late because he didn't live enough to see it. He, he, he didn't live enough to see, you know what? What I did made a difference. What I did was recognized. What I did, even my peers down in the Olympics can understand that. Unfortunately, he passed away before he got his apology. But, you know, to his family, to his extended family, whoever it is, you know, that's, that's the ultimate thing. And he may have got second place that day on that podium. But to me, man, that second place medal, that silver medal, doesn't even come close to the powerful stuff that guy did after he got that medal and during that podium event. From the people I talked to today, the most notable thing was how upset the owners are at this proposal. They did not think the players would go to 70 games. And I've known for a month now, there are enough owners out there who really believe they're better off not playing at all than playing 60 or 70 games at 100% prorated salary with no fans in the stands. But that's short-sighted, at least to me. The worst possible scenario is no baseball this year. The only way to get out of this is to get the players back on the field, play 65 games right to the end. Every team has a chance and, and play a 16-team playoff race in October. It could be really, really good, but it's not going anywhere unless we find that middle ground. ESPN's Tim Kirchin. <laughs> um, Kuz, when was that audio from? I mean, it's recent, right? Probably last night. Yeah, recent. Yeah. Just kind of uh, talking on ESPN about yeah. the the negotiations. Sure, it was yesterday. And now Tim Kirchin doesn't really sound confident, does he? And, w- and we had five players today from the Philadelphia Phillies contract COVID-19. So now they're quarantined. By the way, the Lightning shutting down their uh, stadium as well out, over in Tampa. Tampa. Tampa Lightning, the hockey team? Yeah, hockey. Really? I know it's not, yeah. but no, kind but of I mean, all so, in that area. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well, that's crazy in itself. Listen, man, Kuz, I'm so exhausted with this. Okay, because let's be honest right now. Sports topics, yeah, I mean, dude, we have fun on this show, and I'm not worried about not finding the topics to talk about. We're always going to find stuff to talk about. It. For instance, the last segment I thought was great, man. You know, we, we we learned about that powerful moment on the podium with two guys putting up their fists in the air in first instead of in third place. Well, just as important was the guy that was standing in second place. So we, we, we got stuff to talk about. I'm not worried about that. But I'm saying I'm exhausted, man, okay, because this doesn't seem like – 
argument. This doesn't seem like they're going back and forth and trying to have a common ground. I feel like I'm watching a 16-year-old girl go through her first breakup, and it's just the emotions. It's a roller coaster, and I want to get off the ride. Okay, MLB, I'll say it again, figure it out, okay? But it's hard for me to say, well, I'm excited for baseball. Oh, now baseball's not coming back. Well, baseball's back on again. Dude, I don't know anymore, okay? And I'm tired of getting would, my hopes up. Go ahead. Would it be worse if, like, so yesterday, right, you you and Brent were talking about the fact that this is being played out through the media, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a very public argument and back and forth. Would it be worse if we just didn't hear anything? No. And no. we just weren't really sure what was going on, but we just knew they were in negotiations? Listen, we haven't heard anything from the NHL. Now, granted, that's a little different, right? Because they're already in season. They're trying to come back a la the NBA. So it's different. But no one's stressing out right now about the NHL. You know why? Because I have no idea what's happening. All I know right now is that the D- Detroit Red Wings are probably going to get the number one pick. Hallelujah. That's all I have to look forward to right now. That and Steve Eiserman being the new GM. That's about it. With this baseball stuff, man, there's only so much we can take. You know, like... To this point, I'm just, please keep your mouth shut, okay? And if you don't come back this year, then so be it. I'm literally to the point right now where I hope they announce that they're not coming back and they're just done with it, as opposed to having another month where it's just drawn out back and forth, back and forth. And we got them saying, this is a critical week for the MLB. It's like, all right. How how many critical, there's 52 weeks in the year. Right now, we're at like week number 12 being a critical week for you guys. (laughs) So let's go ahead and make up our minds real quick, and let's get on with it. Because guess what? We got horse racing coming back, okay? And I'm excited for that. Not really, but I don't care. But hopefully we have football coming back. But baseball, man, just take care of your business, what you got to take care of. Nobody needs to see your dirty laundry. No one needs to see your Regina George burn book talking to both sides, players and Manfred. Heed my words, please. I think we got, I think we got uh, Steven on the line here. And apologies, by the way, too, uh, for those of you that were trying to call in earlier in the show, we had some technical difficulties, and you know how I roll. I can't handle them because I haven't had a badge to get in the studio for like the past four months. You don't want to know what the difficulties were? The phone wasn't hung up right. I had it set to automatically block calls by accident. Why is that? I didn't even know it was an option, but it's a button on the phone list. Are you trying to are you trying to go somebody? Or I, what? I don't. I guess. What are you doing? <laughs> I guess. It's gonna be a special Father's Day for you, isn't it? You trying yeah. to hide something here, Goose? I don't know. I just I blocked everybody, and and that was what was going on. All right. So with that being said, though, the phone lines are turned back on. Coos is done ghosting people. If you want to give us a call, at star star six ninety. And Coos, what's the other number? Because I don't know it. Nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one. I've worked here for how long? Don't know. Q Frida. One more time, please. 904-362-9901. All right. We, we can talk about anything. We can get weird. We can talk about Jaguars. Whatever you guys want to talk about, I'm all ears. Speaking of talking about stuff that I'm all ears about, I assume it's going to go in the wrestling direction. We are joined now by our, you know, one of our regular guests here on the show. What's up, Steven? Steve, Steven, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing... Um, Taking it one day at a time is all I could say. That's all you can do, brother. That's all you can do. I like it, man. What, I'm kind of hurt, though. I, I call almost every day, and I ha- you haven't heard from me in days, and you didn't think hell froze over? Well, I mean, that's a great question. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, between you and South Beach Gary, I was getting concerned, but it turns out Coos can't operate the phones, right, which is like 85% of his job. But it is what it is, though, man. We're past it, we're moving on, and we're getting better on the show. 
What's your question? I know, you? and, and, and my tweet earlier actually stumped you. You didn't know what to say about it. <laughs> which, which one was that? I, 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 I don't check the mentions. If, uh, about if the season doesn't happen. Oh, yeah, great call, man. Um, I wish I had an answer for that. I really did. I, I have no idea what the NFL would do with it, you know, the, the, the player's tenure if the season was canceled. I honestly, I have no idea because you, you can make an argument for both sides. So it was a great question, man. Oh, yeah, I know. I stumped you. Yeah, but you anyways, really uh, my question for AEW, what do you think about this Brian Cage and Taz mix-up? you got to admit, it's kind of like Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. It is, man. Um, listen, Taz has been one of those old-school guys. Um, you know, he's he's kind of the who's who of, like, the, the hardcore wrestling, I guess, if you will. And then John Mox, obviously. I mean, listen, there's a video of, of Mox um, literally taking a skill saw and, and cutting his own face. Like, can I even say that on the radio? Well, I just did. Uh, he took a skill saw and cut his face with it. Um, I think you're loud. When he used to do, like, backyard wrestling, right? So these two guys are, are hardcore, to say the least. Um, you know... Taz helps out because obviously Cage, I'm not sure what kind of ring mics, well, what kind of mics goes he brings to the table, but it's an interesting matchup because what do you do? Obviously, Mox right now is the hot thing. He's the champion, but you have a guy in Cage who is this behemoth, this guy that you keep on pushing and pushing that, you know, no man can stop him. He's a machine. So it really it begs the question of do you keep the belt on Mox or do you put it on Cage? I, I, I guess you can say whose status, whose reputation gets hurt more if you lose that match. That, that's why Fighter Press is going to be so great. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, I saw Brian Cage in Impact Wrestling. Basically, yeah. he's like Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, pick, pick or choose on that one. And sure. Rey Mysterio rolled into one. Yeah. Absolutely. I've actually seen him do the 619 in Impact. Dude, and that's the thing, too. So my friends actually saw him staying at a hotel, and they couldn't believe like how jacked the guy is. I'll say this about Brian Cage. For as muscular and just obviously like 2% body fat, the guy's absolutely shredded to the gills, right? But he's athletic as all get out, which makes zero sense to me because mostly guys like that, they can't move well. They end up tearing things. I mean, I'm reminded of like... Big Papa Pump, Scott Scott Steiner. I mean, Scott Steiner was he had the physique and everything, but he'd always get hurt because he was that muscular. So it is crazy to see a guy like Cage, you know, aka the Machine, being able to move what he does. Steve, I got one question for you, man. Then we'll let you go. Last, uh, last this past Wednesday, a female wrestler by the name of Abandoned debuted. Your thoughts about her? Oh man, I I, I was awestruck. I mean, that was pretty good. <laughs> Well put, man. Steven, thanks for calling in, dude. All right. So, Kuz, we talked about this during the break a little bit. I have to address it now. And, Tony Khan, I hope you're watching because I have a bone to pick with you, okay? Wrestling is my go-to thing with my son, man. We both love it. Um, you know, obviously, he's emotionally invested into it. He thinks everything, you know, that happens is life or death. And I just watch it because... I'm essentially reliving my childhood. I'm living vicariously through my son. And my son has his favorites, and he boos the bad guys. He can't stand Chris Jericho. Uh, he loves Darby Allen. He loves the best friends. He's kind of on the fence about Hangman Page. So, like, my son is invested into it. Every Wednesday night, we're watching AEW at the Lane Residence, much to the chagrin of my wife. This past Wednesday... 
AEW releases this wrestler name abandoned. Now, keep in mind, I've seen her wrestle before for AEW. She had a dark match. They call it a match that doesn't go on the air. I knew who she was, and I was a huge fan. But you want to talk about the violence and being upped a little bit. This girl looks like if you mixed Hellraiser from the movie Hellraiser, you mixed her with the girl from The Ring, and then you mix her with the girl from Evil Dead. That's what we're talking about with Abandon, okay? And I could tell my son was shook up about it because my son is super vocal when he watches wrestling, and like I love it, dude. I'm with him. Like He's cheering. He's saying, oh, I don't like her. I like her. My son stood in front of the TV when Abandon came on and just stood there with his jaw open like, what is this? And I knew right away, and I turned to my wife. I'm like, this kid is going to have the worst nightmares now because of this female wrestler. And lo and behold, he hasn't been the same since. So, Tony Khan, you better put out that you know TV, TV MA warning because my son cannot sleep now. And I'll be honest, I was freaked out. She's that good, man. She's that talented. I had trouble sleeping. So, if you guys don't know who I'm talking about, check out AEW's Abandoned, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Literally... The craziest looking girl, by design, obviously, and the scariest looking girl, once again, by design, you're ever going to see. I think we have another call on the line. Uh, we have another Steven, back-to-back Stevens right back now? Back-to-back Steves. Back-to-back Steve. Steve, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, man, doing good. Listen, I just want to talk a little bit about the Brian Cage Taz team up and give my opinion on them. I heard the last guy compare the Paul Heyman-Brock Lesnar pairing here's the, sure. the difference taz needs to learn that the that it's not about him he's over already yeah his job is to get brian cage over and that's where they're missing the boat there you know where paul Heyman, paul Heyman knows the spotlight goes on brock mm-hmm. he knows that it's his role that's where taz needs to get better on that mic to to, to, to get brian cage over you see that that's a great point man thanks for calling the show and was it Steven or Steve? I don't want to mispronounce. Steve. Steve, okay. Steve, great call, man. And, and I do agree with you there. When Brock Lesnar was always in the ring, you knew Brock Lesnar, okay? And Paul Heyman was the advocate, as he said, right? I mean, Taz being a former wrestler himself and being a very successful wrestler, yeah, I mean, Taz still brings something to the table. So I get your point right now where the job should be bringing Brian Cage over. And that's the main goal right now because he has the physique, he has the skill set to be great. I think it's kind of like the Lance Archer effect right now. If you've ever seen Lance Archer in New Japan Wrestling, the guy's got mic skills for day, days. The guy can hold his own with anybody, I think, I'm on the microphone. Now, I'm sick. Maybe like a Chris Jericho or somebody like that could talk circles around him or a Cody Rhodes. But Lance Archer is uber talented on the microphone, obviously in the ring as well. But they give Jake Roberts to Lance Archer. Not because Lance Archer can't handle his own mic skills because, well, Jake Roberts is a name and Jake Roberts can put Lance Archer over. And I think for the most part, Roberts did a great job of doing that, right? I mean, we saw Jake Roberts. All of a sudden, we tie him to Lance Archer. It's a winning combination. I, I agree with you with Taz, where if you're Taz right now, your, your main objective is to try to put Cage over because the guy is a behemoth. He is a juggernaut. And the biggest thing right now is to not really steal the spotlight, but it's to showcase that. Showcase the violence, especially against a guy like John Mox. So I agree with you there, Steve. Thank you for the phone call. Little wrestling talk on a Friday. I'm definitely not mad at that. And Tony Khan, man, please. 
just next time text me or something before a bandon comes on so I can get my son just, you know, the, the whole cover over the eyes because he can't handle another night of watching that lady come out. She is, it's so freaky. I showed the pictures, man. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. All the nightmares. All the nightmares. But hey, that's the love of professional wrestling, man. You're either in it or you're out of it. Look, it's uh, it's it's one of the you you walk into this job and you get to coach Christian McCaffrey. I mean, not I don't know how many uh, how many coaches have that opportunity to coach a player of his caliber, and you know. And so the thing is is for us is yeah, I mean he's to me he's he's a running back and he's he can do everything, but to label him strictly a running back, you know, is injustice to him. And so um, I think a guy like Christian McCaffrey, he can play literally any position on the football field. Um, and I think it, we use it. To, it's going to be to our advantage, you know, to be able to do that. Okay. So I have to guess who that was. Easy money says Matt Rule, but I'm not going there. So it's it's a coach. It's not a player. It's not Teddy Bridgewater. So whoever, listen, I don't know the guy's name, but it's the it's the offensive coordinator or the like the game. I forgot what the title was he had. I think it was like the quarterback game plan coach from the LSU Tigers, who's now the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. I don't know his name. Joe Brady. Is that what it was? Yes. Is that the guy? I was yes. going to cheat, but yeah, I got you. I mean, Chris McCaffrey gave it up. I was going to say Matt Rule, though. Well, that's why that. I was like, this was going to be kind of tough because he talks about being a coach, yeah. which is going to throw you off a little bit. Well, that, I don't know the guy's name. I don't know the offensive coordinator's name. Oh, yeah, that's so, a big one, too. Yeah, that, that, that one hurts a little bit. By the way, nice little Adam and Eve commercial here rocking for ESPN 690. It's good to see that we're reaching a new demographic. Yeah, listen. Yeah, all, all, all this wrestling talk, and all of a sudden the sponsors start coming. <laughs> Brett and Martin, I hope you're listening to that. Uh, well, we got a couple things on the text line here, a couple things on social media. Jacob Mayo, Lane, you think Con cares what you think. It's called satire, dude. What more do you want me to say to you? No, I don't think Con cares what I think, nor should he. It's satire. Have you listened to the show before? Okay, so you got your piece in, Jake. Uh, Jacob Mayo. Uh, Dennis Utley. Will AEW do like they have with other, I guess, wrestlers he, he forgot to put in, where they have recently hyped new guys and then have them lose their first big match? Talk about Brian Cage and John Mox. Um, I mean, essentially what you're asking me is do I think Brian Cage is going to lose against John Mox? I think right now, honestly, I think the smart money would be taking Mox. But obviously, I can see it going both ways. And also, he agrees with me, Dennis Utley. Um, I think he's a Murray State racer as well, for sure. Uh, agree with – and by the way, I kept calling her uh, Abandon. Abaddon is her name, not Abandon. So I apologize. And listen, the last person I want to make upset is her. Okay, because can listen, you imagine if she showed up to your dude, house to tell you you said her dude, name wrong? Dude, I, I'm trying to picture if she walked through the studio right now. I would be like, listen, you you, you kind of know my fear of clowns, right? And we've told this story before on the show. One of my very first things I did in the community was work for the Ronald McDonald House, and my teammates knew that clowns bugged, like rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. And Ronald McDonald, that pompous person, snuck up behind me and scared me, and I was absolutely frightened. And I didn't want to work with kids anymore after that. I wasn't gonna do it. It's for a great <laughs> cause, but I can't get over my fear of clowns still haven't watched the, the new it series yet um on, on, on those movies haven't watched them yet so back in the day when the people were dressing up as uh clowns and just like standing yeah. in parks that was a pretty rough time so rough and, and my mom got me a clown for my birthday like my I think my sixth or seventh year of life so scary man 
Like, you had me on VHS. I won't come out of the corner. I'm like, just tell him to leave so I can go back to playing <laughs> tag. I don't want to do anything with this dude. So, uh, Adnan. I'm sorry about I probably mispronounced it again. Whatever. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, you're scary. You're trying to be scary, and it is what it is. Cruz, real quick though, we're, we're on the we're on the verge of Father's Day here this weekend. Obviously, you're not a father that you know of yet. Best advice that your dad ever gave you? Do you have any advice that your dad ever gave you? Yeah, he gave me a lot, but I just feel like it was more like a lead by example type. Okay. Situation, like. You know, like the the corny like dadisms, right? Like sure. the you know, um, rub, rub some dirt on it, stuff like that. It's yeah, not yeah. you know, but like it was just more leading from example. I think okay. you know, following and and seeing the way that things are done the right way. I guess. Right on, right on. Yeah, I mean, for for me, it's it's kind of hard myself, you know, and, and obviously. Um, my biological father, you know, he split ways when I was very young. Um, we're back in, you know, contact now and everything, everything's good. But like growing up, you know, it, it was my stepdad, uh, who we talk about on the show all the time. His name is Mark, or we call him the bison, if you will. And I was going to actually probably have him call in today, but I think he's working at the mill. So unfortunately he couldn't do that. He, he's, he's an interesting cat, man. He's, uh, he's, he's awesome. I, I love that dude to death. And, um, he always had some great one-liners because his dad was like this old school, you know, uh, served in Vietnam, was a paratrooper, just the all out badass, you know, right? Um, and I never got to meet his father, but I think a lot of his father kind of rubbed off on some of the one liners and everything like that. But like people always say that I get my kindness and my open mindedness from my mom, and I get my demeanor, my just, I guess, calm, laid back personality from my stepdad, Mark, <coughs> aka the bison. So, um, I can take it in a lot of directions, but it's funny. The one thing he used to always tell me before I went out, and this kind of happened more in high school than it was in middle school, but when I would go out, you know, hang out with my friends or whatever, he always told me two things. He said, be cool and keep your nose clean. Now, be cool, pretty self-explanatory. I always try to live by those words. I still live by those words till today. You know what? I'll probably get a tattoo of me someday because it, it, it meant that much to me in his words. Now, keep your nose clean. Take it a couple ways, right? And, <laughs> right? and I never really confronted him about what he meant, but needless to say, whether it was getting in trouble or obviously doing some stuff of, of the illegal kind, the the grade three, two narcotic kind, I never did that either. So I also took his advice there, and I'm thankful for that advice that he instilled in me. And, um, yeah, I, I guess with that being said, man, great Friday. You got any Father's Day plans, Coos? I was going to go golfing, I think. There you go. Treat yourself, man. <laughs> yeah, it's not really my day, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm no dad yet. Uh, are, are you gonna call your dad though? Oh yeah, definitely. Are you guys gonna hang out? Is he around? No, he's Is, up in Philly. Oh, Philly. Yeah. Give him a call. Give him a Facetime. Give him a Zoom call. Say what's up. Well, to all you dads out there, Happy Father's Day. You guys, are the real MVPs. I'm Austin Lane. That's Justin Coos, and then, and the famous words of my stepdad, aka the Bison. You guys, be cool this weekend and keep your nose clean. We'll see you guys next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.